This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and term supply. See mcdonalds.com. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk, the next generation of fantasy football. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, episode 23. I am your host, Terence Ford of RedandBlueArmy.co.uk, and I am here, along with Nick Philpot and Albert Curley, in slightly more buoyant mood, may I add, to build you up to our upcoming trip to the Hawthorns. Sadly, we couldn't find a single Baggies fan willing to talk to us this week. So instead, we will be joined by Daily Mail's correspondent Laurie Whitwell for the Midlands area. And this week, we will also end with a classic match against West Brom from 2004-2005. Before all of that, remember to head over to holradio.net forward slash subscribe to ensure that you never miss another whole radio podcast. Yes, welcome guys. Welcome Nick and Albert to the show. How are you, Terence? I am um, busy getting ready for New York this week and, um, you know, trying to get people for the show. West Brom's online presence is atrocious, really. Um, it's, just as, it's just as bad as um, Albert's IMDB profile. How are you doing, sir? What do you mean? There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Dream Team, Series 10. Thank you very much. <laughs> Dream Team Series 10. It was a quiet period in feature films, so I had to dip into uh, high-budget Sky One dramas. And that was just your acting career. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> up the top there, I mentioned about vandalising. Can, can you, Nick, give me your whereabouts at around about the time the coach was vandalised? Uh, sadly, I was in the Homesdale pub that had also been vandalised. Uh, I, went, I went down to the Homesdale pub about one o'clock, and I, I saw the white tag that the Borough fans allegedly put on. Notice I said the word allegedly before we, we even talk about this uh, on the pub wall out on the outside. Um, the somebody had gone over it and painted over it again, so it just looks like a big white blob on the wall. Uh, by, <laughs> by, by the time I got there, but uh, yeah, I did see all the uh, furore, if you like, about the coaching. It's uh, I think it was a great paint job myself. Well, it's the. Um I think there's there's going back to around 2010 2011. I think it was Borough set up this uh, Red Factions Ultras, I guess, uh, 
and there's always been a little bit of hostility between the two and certainly when I was going into the stand uh, before the borough came they all walked past with a big massive police escort and started um, swearing at all the Palace fans at the top of the Homesdale which was just full of just you know <laughs> normal family people just laughed at them as they were hurried on down the street uh, Albert Hi. was it you? No, it wasn't me. I um, I'd have done it much better than that. On <laughs> <laughs> on a, a saying, done it much better than that. Um, I put it out there on Twitter this week. I think it looks it looks much better. Gives it a bit of character and so on. Well, but is is it just mindless vandalism? Where where I don't I haven't read too much about it. Where was it done? Was it done during the game? I I've I have no idea. I I can only assume that it was done during the game. That, I mean, that's dedication to miss the game to to do that. I mean, that's dedication. That's like Banksy. Well, Banksy you, sort of. you say that, though. Um, we were probably going to lose, weren't we? So I've got the producer in my ear telling me it was done before the game. So there you go. Amazing. So at least that means that Middlesbrough would have had to drive in on the coach, I guess, <laughs> with, <laughs> with it on the side. They probably got a warmer reception because people would have thought it was the Palace team. <laughs> oh, look, we've signed the Grado. Um, yeah, for the, for the listeners who who don't know what happened, I don't know how you wouldn't. I mean, I've had friends from America sending me links to the story asking me if I'm okay. So it seems to have got around the world, this one. But uh, Crystal Palace FC was uh, graffitied onto the side of what was believed to be the Middlesbrough team coach. But uh, Middlesbrough had flown down to the game and uh, Crystal Palace had loaned them their team bus to use to... Um, shuttled themselves from the hotel to the stadium so there you go allegedly that now tell me about this nick on 40 grand that 40 grand's worth of damage nonsense uh, i'll tell you what there's been some people on twitter saying look i'm a painter and decorator i'll do it for five okay i'll put it right for five because there's you know just go get me a bucket a cloth and pay me five grand and i'll get rid of the damn stuff there is no way it's 40 grand and again a price point of 40 grand was a load of old cobblers. Well, that's what I said. They, I reckon the phone call was um, something along the lines of, uh, our coach has um, been defaced, we need it repaired. Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's going to be £4,000. Oh, yeah, it's the Crystal Palace Premier League team. Oh, so, sorry, did I say 4000 I meant 40000 Well, there you go, there you go. It's, it's just a t- complete fabrication. Um, is it me or is it, does the typeface, what's the spray paint equivalent of typeface? Is the design... Very similar to another design of a segment of people that we already know. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not accusing anybody because I wouldn't dare do so. You know me. I, I wouldn't like to uh, be controversial in any way. But doesn't it look very similar? I don't know. I'm. I'm not a handwriting expert. I'm afraid. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll move on from that one. Um, obviously, we're recording one day after the. Um, some more chokings from down the south coast with Brighton losing <laughs> in the last 10 minutes to Newcastle last night. Did either of you watch that one? I did. I, it, did, I was, did watch it, but I saw the goals. That, it that, made uh, great viewing. That's the Arme goal is something else. That's unbelievable. I, that was quality, wasn't it? I, don't, I mean, that is particular skill that I've never seen before. I was very sad in the interview after that he admitted that he did not mean it. It would have been <laughs> nice for him to say, yeah, of course I meant it. <laughs> but yes, it was a very bizarre goal. And uh, 
in that game, obviously, Glenn Murray scored from the penalty spot. Um, Bobby Madley, who was the referee in our game against Middlesbrough, decided to award, award Brighton a very dubious penalty, shall we say. Um, especially coming hot on the heels of booking James MacArthur for diving on, on one of the most stonewall penalties you could ever wish to see. Um, Glenn Murray slotted it and ran off and... Probably gave the Brighton. We didn't quite kiss it, but he was, you know, Mile Jednak style when he scored against Liverpool from the free kick. He was holding it out in front of him. And um, how how did that make you feel, Nick? Gutted. Gutted. Every time I see Glenn Murray wearing that Tesco's carrier bag, I just think (laughs) to myself, it doesn't look right, doesn't it? It just doesn't feel right. But I mean, I have to say, if you were a Weed fan, okay, and you saw that fluke goal go in, that the army goal go in, you'd start thinking to yourself, do you know what? Are we going to buckle again? Are the wheels going to fall off? Are we going to blow this again? Because you just you just think, God, somebody cut us some slack. Give us a bit of luck. Uh, but <laughs> and I'm sitting in the I'm sitting in my chair at home, okay, and I'm absolutely laughing my nuts off. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> it was funny, Albert. What what about Glenn Murray for you? Was it, is he allowed to do that? He is Brighton initially, after all. Yeah, I think he's allowed to do that. Like you say, he, he came from Brighton, and speaking only on behalf of myself, I, you know, I never got, whilst he was a great servant for us, in the, certainly in those sort of purple patches he had, I never got particularly emotionally attached to Glenn Murray. He always came across as, mercenary is not the word, but, you know, he clearly sort of was, was playing for Glenn Murray and Glenn Murray alone. So uh, it doesn't really upset me to see him tugging away at the uh, Brighton shirt. Mm, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. I agree with that. I think he he showed enough dedication to the club at the time. I think, and I also think that his time at Bournemouth and so on, his sort of behaviour on social media and so on, was all very heavily still looking out for Palace and so on. So I don't know. I think I think he's got a little bit of love in there for the club, but. I don't think he wanted to leave Brighton the first time round. I think it was more Gus Poirier wanted him out. And um, obviously, we all know what sort of a mistake that was now. But whatever, the bottom line is that Glenn Murray got us promoted to the Premier League and kick-started our most successful period in the club's history, I guess. So, so boys, are they going up? Um, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's going to be really, really hard for them to mess it up this year. Uh, but it's, this is around the time that they usually start to choke and um, it all starts to come on top of them. I think a similar thing happened last season. Hadn't lost at home all season and all of a sudden, bang, a few losses in a row. But I think this result, uh, this game on the weekend, Huddersfield-Newcastle is key. If, if Huddersfield can find a way to beat Newcastle again, um, I think Brighton are going to be very nervously looking over their shoulders, that's for sure. Um, but, well, where there's a lot of pressure on the... Um, Palace to stay up because I doubt Steve Parrish will be wanting to be the first chairman to see Palace play in a lower division than Brighton for some however many years it is 30, pushing 40 years something like that so there you go um, obviously the deadline is the 2nd of March for renewing season tickets have you both renewed yours? Uh, no but I'm oh. about to but I'm about to the only reason I haven't done it is to do the uh, it's to do with the position where I am my, my season ticket is in block E uh, and my block and my son stands in block B uh, mm. behind behind the HF, and I've spent most of my season standing with my son. 
So it's whether I actually move it across or not, I don't know. Stand in the rain and stand with your son. Isn't that the charm? Very good. You can see you're from a creative background, can't you? Wow. <laughs> um, so, Nick, just, just just to clarify, you have not been standing in your seat. Instead, you've been clogging up one of the rows in Block B. Yeah, in front of you. Yeah, that's right. I have. <laughs> <laughs> not that yes. I ever see you up there. All this, I go to every game thing. I don't actually believe it's true. I've seen you at Sellers once in all the time I've known you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not actually going this weekend either, so it is all, it's all a lie. It's all a myth. Um, there's just a cardboard cutout of me stood there, and I go, I go once a season just to have a moan. What about yeah. you, Albert? You renewed yours? Uh, I haven't, but I am. I am. It's on the to-do list. Um, but I share, and... I share mine, so I've got, to, yes. I've got to get some cash up front off a, off a mate <laughs> first, which is proving tough. Well, four hundred and sixty pound, I think, is still great value in the lower homes. Though I think that's got to be, um, they've got to be commended for that. The club, and you know, even if we if we go down, it's more games, and it works out only twenty quid a game. So, win win either way, I think. <laughs> uh, right this week, Sam Allardyce has um, said that he's been given the players' homework through an app. I don't know if you guys have seen this, sending them video footage of themselves and. Uh, it tracks whether they've watched the videos or not as well. So a little bit of Gestapo there. Um, what do you think about this, Nick? Do you think this is a good plan? Well, I hadn't seen it, but I mean, if he's actually doing research, and you'll see from my notes later on, there's nothing like a bit of homework. Um, Sam Allardyce, I don't know if you heard the main show on Sunday night, uh, Chris Hambo actually alluded to the fact that uh, I got told off as well. So... Uh, I got told off by Kevin Keane and uh, Sam Allardyce when I was at Sellers Park on Friday, <laughs> and and I really did. Um, so I wouldn't cross him. So if you got the plays, if you got homework to do, get on and get it done. Uh, Albert, do you think that the sort of videos that Sam Allardyce has been sending to the players are similar to the ones that Pardew would have been sending them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he probably sent them videos of him. Just. <laughs> Um, what just dancing in front of the just, mirror? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you need to, you need to be a bit more like this, boys. Um, I don't know. The, I think there was a. I remember there was a big thing about. I think Louis Van Gaal tried implementing something similar at Man United, and mm. you, you know, and even even if it does log that the players watched a clip, or whatever, you know, who, you know, who's who's to say that they were actually paying attention to it and taking yeah, it? Yeah, well, in I think Man United players said they did that. They just turned them on and just let them play. So it just looked like they'd actually watched them yeah. uh, my my uh, uh my cousin's son plays for whatever that makes him to me second cousin um plays for spurs under 12s or 13s now and they they have this facility in place at spurs for even for the youth team so he gets all these video clips every time he touched the ball um in a game he, he gets the clips sent to his phone in a sort of condensed video and they can watch back and all the coaches put notes and where they feel they could have done better or what they did really well and so on so i think it's becoming more and more common practice i think the use of modern technology is really you know growing even more mm. important in the, in the game now and if they, if you had more of it uh, maybe Jimmy Mack wouldn't have had that yellow card on Saturday. Where did you what? where did you say that was, Terence? They do that at Spurs. What youth team? Yep, he well, he's playing. I think he's I think he's either under 13s or under 12s. I can't remember. Wow. Do you think Barry Bennell used to take footage of the youth team and send that? Right? <laughs> oh my goodness! <gasps> right, we're going to move on. <laughs> Today, <laughs> the day of recording is all cool. So St David's Day. Um, so Crystal Palace uh, the website released the top ten. Welsh players to don the red and blue of Crystal Palace and running down the list from 10 to 1 we've got 
Bill Davies, uh, two two spells at club, 1907 to 1908 and 1910 to 1915. Uh, do you remember him, Nick? Stop it. Move on. I knew it was... <laughs> I knew it was going to come. You just can't. Oh, I can't believe you. You stoop so low. <laughs> um, we've got Joe Ledley at nine. Really bizarre placings here. Eric Young at eight. Kit Simons at seven. Vic Rouse comes in at six. He was a keeper. He was the first player to play in Division Four and represent his country. I think that was in 1959. He did that, playing for Wales against Northern Ireland. Um, then in at five is Ian Walsh, who we've had on the pod a couple of times. Uh, fourth place, James Ginger Williams, who scored 58 goals between 1909 and 1914. Yeah. <laughs> Can you recall any of those? Fill your boots. Uh, Really Peter Nicholas. Hold on. I you really remember hope, Peter Nicholas, right? Hold on. Hold on. I just really hope nothing nasty happens to your plane on Saturday. Carry on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> at least I'm, I'm flying on Friday, so I'll let you off. Uh, Peter Nicholas needs no introduction. I don't think you remember him, right? Yeah, of course. That's a Brilliant. fair one, of course. And Ian, Ev- Ian Evans would be the same, Captain Crystal Palace. Yeah. And, uh, um, and in first place, uh, I'm just going to open this envelope here. Um, oh, it's Wayne, Wayne Hennessy. Oh no, sorry, that's the that's the wrong envelope. Um, yeah, that's what I say. That's a toilet <laughs> paper one. Uh, just showing that I sort of pay attention to what goes on in the the world of what, what would you call the Oscars? I don't even know. Hollywood. Uh, so, Hollywood. Yeah. Okay. Chris Coleman was um, voted in at number one, which I still think is probably a little bit controversial in itself. I know a lot really? of Palace. Yeah, a lot of Palace fans still don't take too kindly to. The way he left the club. Um, there what, about, is, uh, what about Johnny Williams? Yeah, John, well, John, Johnny Williams has barely played, has he? That's the problem. John so Oster. I'm, I'm, John Oster. <laughs> John Oster. Yeah, John Oster, yeah. Lo- there was loads of, I mean, there has been loads of Welsh players representing the club. Do you know that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, look, I, um, Jeff, Jeff Thomas. <clears throat> Did you know Jeff Thomas? Yep. Jeff Thomas. Well, Jeff Thomas... To- be fair, Jeff Thomas did represent England, so I don't yeah. think it really counts. Je- not that Jeff Thomas, you see. You do your research. <laughs> Jeff Thomas was born in 1948. Okay, of course he, he was. And he was, <laughs> and he was born in Cardiff, and he represented Palace. I don't know who that is. I think you're on your own. I think it's very scathing, though, that the club will release a top 10 list and not put Wayne Hennessy in there. Um, I don't know who got that signed off. It's a bit rough, but surely they should have just slipped him in at number 10. I'm sure Bill Davies and his family is not going to care anymore. <laughs> and, and I think the, the most, the, looking at that list of uh, Welsh players, but not the representative Palace, of course, there is a link to this weekend. The Welshman being... Tony Pulis. Tony Pulis, indeed. Um, before we get on to Tony Pulis, I'm sure we'll be all over him. Uh, a supercomputer has predicted that Crystal Palace will survive this season, um, finishing just one place outside the relegation zone. But it predicts that we will um, do this based on home form. It says that they think we'll win seven home games this season. So um, that's another four. <laughs> I think that supercomputer um, needs to run a virus check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's that's exactly what i thought i'm i don't think it has us down as winning any other any more away games for the season but uh obviously with the likes of hull and burnley to come to sell us it assumes that we're going to pick up the three points on them as uh their crests were put on the uh homestyle fanatics display last week with the hunt is on with the eagle so do you do you think we can pick up Another, what are we talking there? Another five, four home wins, Nick? 
probably not. No, um, I think people got a little bit over over enthusiastic about the win on Saturday. Uh, we mm. were playing a struggling Middlesbrough team, struggled to score goals, and we beat them one nil. Yeah, we should have had a couple of Stonewall penalties and everything else, but I think they got a little bit overexcited. I'm a little bit more reserved than that, um, and I, I think are we going to get enough any, enough wins? I think we might just scrape just straight but a lot of it depends on the other results now I think yeah what did um, watching Borough Albert did you do you think that you kind of probably think that they're going to finish beneath us as as organisers they look defensively they they never looked like they was going to score did they no I, 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 you know they, they came into the game with a reputation of you know they're obviously like the lowest scoring team in the league and um, any 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 Slim chance they had, they tended to hammer it straight at Wayne Hennessy. So, I think I think what Nick said's right. You know, it was a great it was a great first half performance, and I certainly attribute them being so poor in the first half to us being so positive. Um, but second half, understandably so. You know, we sat back and again, not that they had any um, any amount of clear cut chances, but they you know they did start to impose themselves a bit. And I think we're going to need mm-hmm. to be um, certainly marginally better to. You know, we need to win those four home games, in my opinion. And there's a there's a there's a scenario where the whole game, which is obviously the penultimate game of the season, that yeah. it could all be done and dusted by then. So um, we certainly need to be looking for twelve points out of those games. We certainly do. All right, moving into this weekend, and uh, <laughs> a certain Mark Clattenberg is the fourth official. So, what what ways do you think he can mess us up from the sidelines, Nick? Oh, he can do anything. This is Clattenburg we're talking about. I mean, he, just his sheer presence and the fact that we're even talking about it on this pod is being mentioned in social media that, you know, Mr. Doom and Gloom, Mr. Cheat, Mr. Anti-Palace is going to be there. I mean, there's so... He could influence the game so much. And it, oh, and I'm, I'm going to the Hawthorns for my very first ever trip to the Hawthorns on Saturday. And I just hope the Palace faithful are as anti Pulis as they were positive Palace on Saturday because I think that's worth a worth an extra mention by the way the you know um, Sacco said after the game that we were properly the 12th man last weekend and we need mm. to you know and answer your previous question about the next games coming up we've got to be there in that sort of form the, the, the supporters to be able to you know push the team along because it definitely had an effect on Saturday do you not agree? Mm. Yeah, I think it does. Um, Clattenburg, Albert, do you think um, he'll be able to be the first ever fourth official to just directly blow the whistle from the sideline and award West Brom a penalty? Yeah, I wouldn't, it wouldn't put it put it past him for him to give it a go. You know, he's <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I don't know Who, who's the ref. Who's the actual ref? Oh, you, you can you, you've asked me that, and I don't know, but I will get there in a second. But um, do you remember the last time? Um, that Clattenburg was the referee and we played at the Hawthorns. Oh, yeah. When certain Craig Dawson hammered his elbow into Julian Speroni's face. Yeah. Indeed. So, um, and then he popped off to see Ed Sheeran after, didn't he? He did. He did pop off to which see is, Ed Sheeran which after. Which is one of the worst crimes of all, in my opinion. <laughs> so, um, Craig Dawson, he, um, he took a bit of knock to the head on the weekend. Um, how do we feel about that, Albert? Oh, you know, accidents happen. Um, yeah, maybe it's some long-awaited um, payback for what he did to to our jewels. Um, mm. uh, yeah, I, I mean, treading over our ground, obviously, but 
that you see it again. I watched it today. It's just disgusting. It's absolutely diabolical. And the fact that it then, you know, it, it's not just in play, and you know, he doesn't even get called for it. The fact it sort of directly leads to a goal is just um, mm. only makes it even more sickening. And then, and what's it just gets worse because then we had to bring Wayne Hennessy on. Wow. <laughs> um, the, the the referee for the game is Mike Jones. So um doesn't really do us any favours, I don't think, Mike Jones. So it will be Mark Clattenberg in charge from the sidelines, no doubt. Um, the puppet master. The puppet, the puppet master, indeed. Um, so, yeah, I don't... I feel like... I felt really horrible as a person for seeing Craig Dawson get knocked out in that game on the weekend and um, laughing. <laughs> it was, Why? It, it, wasn't, it wasn't just like a in-my-head moment. It was an actual laugh-out-loud moment. And then um, I checked myself and I felt a bit bad. So much like Pulis and Clattenburg on the sideline, I think um, I'll settle for when they're having a little chat with each other on inevitably on the weekend that you know a bird just flies past and shits on the head or something that would do for me <laughs> um right palace news bakary sacco's back yay <laughs> yeah so moving on <laughs> the birmingham mouse said this um <laughs> uh, posted a story today saying that um perhaps two palace players will um be a bit upset that they decided to come to Palace instead of going to West Brom this season, being Christian Benteke and Jeffrey Schlupp. Uh, Nick, do you put that paper cutting out on the changing room wall on Saturday for Benteke and Schlupp to look at and get a reaction out of them? Blow it up. A1 size, OK? And, and, and absolutely right. I mean, it, yeah, at the end of the day, he may well go, sir. Uh, Benteke, from what you read in the press this week, is a little unsettled at Sellers anyway because he doesn't think he's getting enough service. So they may be able to have him at the end of the season, but we've had him this year. So tough shit. I don't, Albert, I thought that was lazy journalism to say that because Ben Teke and Townsend had a little ding-dong at the end of the game because of one cross didn't come in. I can't think that's going to make Ben Teke all of a sudden be disillusioned, is it? No, I shouldn't think so. I mean, I, I didn't like to see it. I know a lot of people, I think, including yourself, are like, well, yeah, fair enough to have that reaction. But I think at the full-time whistle, when we, we'd scraped to win, I'd, I'd have liked to have seen him at least get up and celebrate with the team for a bit and maybe discuss it with Townsend whilst traipsing down the tunnel. But... Um, you're right. Like it's it's gone completely the other way, and it's been turned into a you know a huge, huge over exaggeration. And mm. you know he's whilst it's you know you don't you don't want to see players having a row. It's, I don't think that's a wide, that signals of a wider problem. It was a, you know it was an isolated incident that Benteke overreacted to, in my opinion. And I think it's a, a damn good idea. I mean, I'm quite happy that they're having a pop at each other. It shows a little bit of passion for the club. You know, do, do yeah. have a go at each other. Do have a have a pop at each other if something's not going right. And you want, you know, you, you want to improve it. There's nothing wrong with having a few words. A bit, a little bit controversial, as I know. Yeah, no, I, I, def, I agree. I think um, I'm, I'm quite happy for them to have a little bit. I, I know, what, I know what Albert's saying. You see, want to see him celebrate first and stuff, but you know, they're competitive people, and especially Ben Teke, who, you know, is arguably like push I don't want to say world class bracket but you know he's pushed that at times in his career and he's going to want to he's naturally going to be a very competitive person and um, I think it was a bit uh, probably harsh on Townsend I mean he de- not harsh in the sense that he 100% should have crossed it shooting from that angle was ridiculous with the game situation either take that into the corner and keep it there or stand it up to the back post and a la Bournemouth and you've got 2-0 when you put the game to bed but um 
I thought Townsend was quite a bit better in that game against Borough and hopefully that bodes well for the future. What did you think about his performance, Nick? I thought it was, it was probably, in fact, I think I put it on our uh, show thread. I think that was probably in the top two of his performances in a Palace shirt. Um, something has clicked with him recently, whether it's the new manager, but something has, there's definitely been an improved performance, but Saturday's was one of the best I've seen in the, in the Palace shirt. And actually, uh, looking at the lineup for this Saturday, um, I was umming and ahhing about the change, a change of formation, but the first name I put down in the team shape was Andros Townsend, actually. Mm, interesting. Um, right, so, yeah, we've got this whole situation now of do you change your winning lineup or do you keep it the same? We asked our listeners earlier on um, Twitter, and many of them said keep the same team the same, but with one change obviously being Mandanda for Hennessy. Um, Doc Brown was at the game on against Middlesbrough and he posted a picture up with him and uh, Steve Mandanda who had told him that he was fit to play. So what do you make of that, Albert, that Hennessy's still getting in? Um, I, I'm not sure really. I, I've got, I don't know, I don't know why, but I, something tells me we'll never see Mandanda in a Palace shirt again. I don't know if it's all tied in with his comments that he made, when was that, a few weeks ago, about how he was maybe looking to move on, blah, 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 blah. Something's not right, and I I wouldn't be surprised if he's off in the summer. Mm, as much yeah. as I'd like to see him stay and it work out. Yeah, it does seem like that. I mean, it's, it's one of those injuries that it seemed so, you know, he'll be back in a couple of weeks, and now it seems like we've see, we see the pictures all the time. He's back in full training. He's he's clearly a better goalkeeper than Wayne Hennessy, so you do yeah, wonder but the, what's but the happening. Manager, but the manager hasn't seen that, though. In, in fairness to Allardyce, he's never seen him play. Um, Sam so, Allardyce loves analysis and watching videos. There's plenty of videos from his Marseille time to watch to, well, to show the, that he's a better goalkeeper on than the, Hennessy. On the, on the absolute flip side of what I just said, he has seen Hennessy play. So I might, using my own analogy, <laughs> you would never play him again, would you? <laughs> this, this is true. He'd put, he'd put himself That's why he drinks so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I think I'm, being that we ended up playing 4-5-1 Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Against Barbara because of the injuries and so on, I think that probably suits us better away from home and... I don't see where you make any changes in that lineup unless you're bringing MacArthur in. Um, but I thought Kabai and Punchin, with the extra freedom that um, Luca allowed them by just sitting in front of the back line, probably showed that there was a bit of chemistry between them two for arguably for the first time ever, really. So um, I, I think this time round, I'd definitely be sticking with the same same lineup. Um, unlike when we beat Bournemouth, I thought there was probably some scope for change there because you didn't want to play five at the back against Sunderland, and I think we talked about that heavily at the time, Nick. So um, I will, um, yeah, I'd, I'd stick with the 
the winning lineup to go into this one, which I think is going to be undoubtedly a very, very tough game. You know, they've won seven of their last eight at home. Um, admittedly, they've not been against the best opposition, but of course we are not the best opposition at the moment. And um, we seem tailor-made, tailor-made for them with having they've scored 16 goals from set pieces this season, which is the most in the league. And we've conceded 16, which is also the most in the league. So you've got to worry a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And I think the your point there about how many goals that they've done from set plays, do you not think that that might, makes it a better option to go three large centre-halves at the back and bring Dan in, uh, leaving PVA and Wardy out wide and uh, having a, a good solid defence with three at the back? Potentially. I mean, it's all relative to how good um, Luca is in the air, I think, um, how well he defends corners and so on. Um, I've talked about that a lot in the past, about how that's the main thing we miss when we with Yen Nakamura going, is that both of them were exceptional from uh, defending corners. And um, when you're replacing them with Kabai and uh, Connor Wickham and so on, they're not, not so great at doing that job. So <clears throat> it's... It's going to be interesting to see how Luca performs. Obviously, we've taken Benteke out of the fray of, uh, you know, actually marking players. So he just takes a near post and he's seeming a li- seemingly to do a little bit better now. So it will be an interesting challenge. Um, Wayne Hennessy's obviously going to have to command his area a little bit, but um, I think that's got disaster written all over it. But it'll be, um, <laughs> you know, look, let's not let's face it. If we're going to come away from there with a point, it's going to be a very very good point. Anyway, let's wrap that up. Um, next up. We're going to be talking to the East Midlands correspondent for the Daily Mail, Laurie Whitwell, about West Brom. Homestyle Radio, Freeview Podcast, sponsored by fanduel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, we are now joined by Laurie Whitwell of the Daily Mail. Welcome, Laurie. Hi, Terrence. You okay? Good, mate. So um, you obviously cover all the teams up in the Midlands up there. Um, obviously, you, you, for for the listeners there, uh, Laurie and I used to live with each other, and um, not 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 in a, not not in a marital sense, <laughs> just in a yeah. Uh, but he um, he got the job to move up to the uh, Midlands to cover the teams up there, and it coincided with Leicester's um, incredible story. So how has it been covering that? Uh, yeah, it's not been not been quiet. Um, they sort of said <laughs> when they sent me up there to um, try and keep an eye out on on the teams there, learn the trade a bit more, get contacts, and then possibly come down to London. But in the in the time that I've been up there, they've stayed up in the Great Escape. Then obviously won the league, and now this season as well has just been equally sort of um, I suppose newsworthy. So it's been it's been fantastic, really. How's the European tour going? Uh, good, yeah. Seville was lovely last week. Um, <laughs> being able to wear a t-shirt in February was the envy of uh, my friends and family, um, which I didn't and I didn't stop telling them about. Um, obviously, Porto, Bruges, and Copenhagen as well. It's been I've been spoiled really. So, but I kind of feel like they may be even uh, able to to do it in the second leg after watching them against Liverpool and second half against Seville. I think mm. they've got a chance. Yeah, it was a certainly a great performance out there. And obviously, it brought about the sacking of Ranieri. And we've all seen what they did to Liverpool since. Um, so is the sacking probably a bad thing for Crystal Palace in the sense that it's probably going to turn their season around a bit? I think, yeah, for Palace, it has to be seen in a negative light because Leicester, to me, were destined for relegation. It sounds horrible to say so, but with uh, Ranieri in charge, because... Um, he'd, he'd, he'd lost the players really in terms of tactics and personnel and, and the motivation um, was, wasn't there really so um, Leicester decided they had to make a change um, obviously they've got a lot of 
for that, but I think um, people that know what's going on at the club probably think that it, they even gave him more time possibly than um, they might have done. Uh, Craig Shakespeare knows the players really well. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously got, can get them motivated, knows what, what way they want to play. Um, he's got their trust. So when we saw that against Liverpool, um, OK, there was a bit of probably a, a want for them to prove a few points, but I think that with him in charge and with with the way that they played, it was it was just a total turnaround, and I do think that they will pick up enough points now um, to stay up. Yeah, I think it was definitely a sort of a, a step back towards the style that won them the league last season. And the guy, the guy in the centre of the park, um, I can't remember his name. Is it Umdidi or something? Umdidi. He, um, yeah, Wilfred yeah, Umdidi. Yeah. Yeah, he sort of emulated Kante to an extent and mm. put himself around the pitch and got around really well and I think he got nine nine tackles in the match which is the most from any player in the Premier League since the beginning of last season so it was definitely um, a move back to that that style and um, I think like, you, like you've said I think it's bad news for Palace I think that's one one less team that can finish below us <laughs> but let's move <laughs> on to um, our opponents for the weekend and it's West Brom obviously and um, so obviously we're, we're at Palace we're all used to the style of football that Tony Pulis played and um, I think I'd like to say at Palace it wasn't all anti-football as people like to say it was um, soak up a lot of pressure for sure but look very exciting on the counter-attack is it a similar sort of ethos that he's doing at West Brom? Yeah certainly I mean I think uh, I presume the stats are still similar but when they played Burnley at the start of the season it was it was the teams with the lowest percentage possession play, playing mm. each other um, and, and West Brom uh, wiped the floor with Burnley that day um, and yeah they defend extremely well as you'd expect of a Pulis team they've got the ball <clears throat> If, if they plays uh, Nyon and Dawson as the full-backs, he's got the four tall defenders <clears throat> across the bat line. But then going forward, he's got quality. And we, I did an interview with Matt Phillips not too long ago, and he said that the defensive drills are very, very much as you'd expect, but that, it, that when he gets the ball in an offensive sense, he, he's got the freedom. Pulis gives him licence to roam and mm. you know just go at, go at defenders, cut inside and, and do what he needs to do. So that, in fairness to Pulis, they are quite pleasing on the eye when they do go forward and they've scored uh, quite a few goals. They've got 11, I think, 11 different goal scorers this season, which is pretty mm. spectacular when you consider it's a, a supposedly Pulis team. Uh, and, and and they've got 40 points already by February. They're looking to get a record points total of 50. They've won seven out of the last eight games at home with you know really good, you know, I think they scored three goals in, in probably five of those games. So they've looked really good going forward, to be fair to them. Um, and, and yeah, the plans have been totally one round. I mean, this time last year, they were calling for Pulis's head. Uh, they were bored with the style of football, um, which I never quite fully understood because I, I thought, well, it's West Brom and, you know, you, you, <laughs> without being too patronising, they, they are one of those teams that you want to just stay up, really. Um, and he kind of did that comfortably. And, and now this season, obviously, he's going on and, and adding that quality, adding Nasser Chadley, Rob Rondon's found his feet properly. Mm. Um, they, they, they do have a lot of threats. Yeah, what's talking about Matt Phillips? There's um, he's he's listed as a doubt. So is that going to? Mm. That's a huge miss for them, I'd assume, if he's not playing. Yeah, he missed the game uh, against Bournemouth, and I think he's he's still a doubt now. I think he, I think he might even miss out actually. Um, mm. So yeah, you're you're right. Although having said that, it's it's weird the injuries that West Brom have sustained, and they're not been very many. The, the club were at pains point out um, that they, mm. the medical team does a really good job in not getting a, a collection of muscle injuries at any one point So, but it, it always seems that they have an injury and they can shuffle the, the deck around a little bit and it all fits so for example Chris Brunt 
then could play on the wing rather than at left back and Nyon came back in and you know it's sort of they, they've, they've got a few players that can play in sort of two two positions and, and therefore whilst it's a small squad very small squad actually they all get enough games and they never seem too stretched because they've got this sort of versatility yeah, well, it's as much as we at Palace, we don't like to give Tony Pulis any props for the way that <laughs> he imagine. dumped us in it. It's it's exactly what he did at Palace, and um, we never got, we hardly ever got injuries. Um, and when we did, he had the versatility within the squad to shuffle it around just like that. And um, it's the vast difference, basically, to what Pardew did to the squad, which was make ego signings and not have the versatility, no balance, and um, not training properly, obviously, because there was muscle injuries all over the place. So. Um, it's, but obviously, he's just doing the same thing up at West Brom as he did for us. But you say the fans uh, are won over a little bit more, but our, um, attendances are still down. I think their average is 2,000 down on when he took charge. So do you think mm. he's still got a bit of work there to do to win them over some more? Yeah, it's confusing me, that one, really, because, I mean, I get born with the other empty seats, and um, I know the club probably works like we're playing, so, but it's... it's it, it, it does not, you know, it's, it doesn't seem that there's that many sellouts all the time. You know, you can probably always get tickets on general sale. Um, yeah. So it's, it, but it's a bit of a head scratch because he's, he's delivering what you'd, you'd hope, you know, like, you know, yeah. sort of wins. The uh, home form has been, you know, pretty special. So you'd think that people would want to go and watch that. So I, I can't really put my finger on why they're not sellouts, you know. Um, possibly it's because they're actually safe. Um, so yeah. there's not a huge amount resting on it. You know, they're, they're probably going to finish eighth, aren't they? And they're probably not going to slip down tonight mm. and they've got little chance of finishing seventh. So they kind of know where they're going to end up, I think. Although, again, Pulis would be, um, will not be saying that in, in any respect. He hates the sort of complacency yeah. or kind of settling for that. And last season, actually, they finished quite poorly. And I think he, he he's obviously he mentioned that in, after the Bournemouth game and he, um, he wants to rectify that this season. I think they've got that 50-point thing as a, as a big target for them all but yeah in terms of the fans mate that's my only thought maybe they think they're um they're in the comfort zone so they don't necessarily have to go yeah well i mean like you say i don't know what more you want from a west brom side really to be finishing eighth in the league and winning seven of eight home games i'll i'll take seven of any wins mm. this season at the moment <laughs> so right usually we just end on a little bit of a prediction mate so what, what do you think the score is going to be on saturday uh, I've actually done this on the uh, Super Six. I do it every week. I think uh, I think they win again, just because they've been so consistent. And you know, I've, I've seen bits of Palace, and, and they've sort of been quite erratic, haven't they? I, I've sort of said two-one, just because they seem to get get enough goals, can respond. But I, I kind of feel like Palace might have have one in, one in them as well. So two-one West Brom for me. Fair enough. Look, Laurie, thank you very much for joining us, pal. Nice one, Tom. It's good speaking. Homestel Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, next up is time for your predictions. You just heard um, Laurie's prediction there, predicting a 2-1 win for West Brom. Um, listener predictions this week. Sam Heskiff is back. I think last week it was pain, and this week it is defeat. Uh, Patrick O'Connor of this parish has gone for a 2-2. Beanie Tony 0-0. Tim Green 1-1. Emma is it 1-1. Um, Tony Stewart, a little bit more realistic here, has gone, unfortunately, I think West Brom will win 1-0. Houston, CPFC on Twitter, has gone for a 1-1, but they call it a tie. I don't know. Um, I'm going to have to put some people right on that when I go over to New York on the weekend. Daryl Curse has gone 2-0 Palace. Bentec over Brace. And Grant Gillard has gone 2-1 Palace. Um, so some positive things there. I often find 
when Palace fans are predicting draws a lot, it's because we usually probably believe it's going to be a defeat, but we like to think that we might sneak a draw. So, um, Nick, uh, last week you predicted that Patrick Van Arnholt would score, but you didn't say 1-0. Um, did you go 4-0 again? I can't remember. No, I said it was a 2-1 victory with Van, Hart, Van Arnholt scoring. Screaming, so do I, yeah. do, do I not get uh, something for Van Arnholt and a, and a victory? Um, next time I'll see you, I'll give you a word as original, mate. <laughs> no, um, I believe... Make sure it's a soft one. <laughs> Been in my pocket for like four years. Should I do my prediction at this point? Or are we gonna... <laughs> um, my, my thought is that because of their threat as a uh, set-piece team, I believe they will score. But And I think we're playing with a little bit of freedom and I also believe that we will score as well. So my prediction this week is we are going for 1-1. Okay. And Albert, what about you, sir? Uh, I, yeah, I hate to be boring, but I was always going to say 1-1. So for the sake of good radio drama, I'm going to say we'll lose 2-1. 2-1. Who's going to get the Palace goal? Uh, I think it'll be a penalty. So it'll either be Benteke or Kabai, whoever wins that little wrestle. Okay, I will, once again, just like last week, I want to predict 1-0 to the opposition. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I want to feel positive after the weekend, but as um, Nick said further up in the show, I think people getting a little bit carried away with the performance. We were playing against a poor West Brom team, and I think we're, come, sorry, a poor right. Middlesbrough team last week, and West Brom uh, team are in form. And Tony Pulis has... As we know from our time at Palace, he's very good at winning the games he should be winning against the teams in the lower part of the division. And um, he's been doing a masterclass of that in recent weeks, especially at the Hawthorns. So um, I think we'll lose 1-0. Um, right, we'll finish the predictions there. Next up is the return of the classic match. It's been a while since we did this. And this week, we're going to remember what was indeed a classic from the 2004-05 season up at the Hawthorns. Left by Purse, but Johnson will chase it! Andy Johnson! Andy Johnson, opportunist goal for Crystal Palace! Borodell with a free kick. He might just drop in there as well. It's It's Hall, it's in! Fitz Hall is equalised for Crystal Palace! It's two each! Right, so it's Tuesday the 1st of February 2005. There's 25,092 people in attendance as 20th place rock bottom West Brom sitting on 16 points face Crystal Palace. 17th place on 21 points, 5 points ahead. So obviously um, a win much needed for both teams for slightly different reasons. Were either of you two at this one? Well, I'm, I know you weren't, Nick, because you said earlier in the show that you're going to the Hawthorns for the first time this season. And... Albert, Tuesday night off him. Seems, seems a bit of a stretch for you. Mate, massive stretch on a Tuesday night. No, 2004-2005, <laughs> I would have been working my proverbials off. On Dream Team Season 10? Uh, no, that oh, could have been. No, it, no, it would have been, <laughs> been Harry Potter, which is way cooler. Uh, name dropping all over the place. Um, started it, bro. I always enjoy your... Um, Hermione story Steady. in the canteen. What did you call her again? I didn't call her anything. <laughs> I called Jacket Potato a rude word. 
um, so the team so Brian Robson's in charge of uh, West Brom God blimey Brian Robson uh, Russell Holt in goal Martin Albrechtson Paul Robinson Ronnie Woolwork never, I can't recall him at all Darren Purse Neil sad. Clement <laughs> Ronnie Woolwork or was that Jonathan Greenings? That's definitely Jonathan Greenings player. there. Yeah, one of them Ricky, definitely got stabbed. By who? I can't remember. I think it might be when they were still at United. Carry on. Oh, oh, I don't remember. I'm googling Ricky, it. Ricky Schimmerker, Jeff Horsfield, Kevin Campbell, and Zoltan Gira for Palace. It's uh, obviously Mr. Ian Dowie in charge. Uh, Gabo Karai, Emerson Boyce, Gary Boradal, Gonzalo Sarondo, Fitzhall, Michaela Lizardwood, Wayne Routledge, Tom Soares, Andy Johnson, Dougie Friedman, and Michael Hughes. Now, um, you know, you're going into a relegation six pointer away from home on a cold Tuesday night up at West Brom. Exactly what you want to happen after 12 minutes is one of your centre backs to get sent off. Um, now, Jeff Horsfield wasn't blessed with the most pace, was he, Nick? And to see Sarondo dive in on him like that was a bit infuriating, considering he probably wasn't going to get away from what was quite a pacey Gonzalo Sarondo. OK, well, I think the point there is uh, uh, it was Dermot Gallagher that sent him off, OK? Dermot Gallagher <laughs> now is the boss of the current league referees, so yes. he started off the Clattenburg hatred because obviously he's now his boss as well. Um, it was a stupid challenge. It, I think they used to call that red card last man card, wasn't it? It was, um, mm. he wasn't, it wasn't a clear goal scoring opportunity that has to be now, uh, but he was the last man. He wasn't even clear on goal because he was actually going away from goal, wasn't he? But, uh, mm. but, but in those days, that was a definite red card anyway. Yeah, I, I think um, he's probably going towards goal enough and there's probably not enough cover. I, I, I think the red card's probably the right decision. Uh, Albert, there's, there's been lots of stuff of talk at the moment about a sin bin would that be a sort of sin bin challenge you don't really want it to ruin the game and have him sent off for the whole time but give him 15 minutes on the sidelines sitting with full official Mark Clattenberg wow that's almost worse than getting sent off having to sit next to him um, <laughs> no I don't like the sin bin idea I can, I can see why people you know might be considering it I just think it's too you know, if we, if we can't have video technology because the game would be too stop and start, I think sin being it would just get just get a bit silly, couldn't it? Yeah, well, potentially. I mean, I think the only time where it potentially should be used, I don't the, the double punishment of a penalty and a red card for bringing someone down, I think is a bit much. But you can then certainly see that it will be used tactically by players to you know deliberately give away the foul, knowing that they can come back on. So. I don't know, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. I, I personally can't see it ever happening, but you never know. The penalty um, red card thing, I'd like to, I'd like to see that given um, a choice to the attacking team. You know, you either have yeah. a penalty or you can, you can have the red card issued. That would be open for. Mm, that's an interesting play you, on it. What, about, you what do you think about that, Nick? No, I mean, uh, I think it's... It, it, we all know it's double jeopardy if you, uh, if you lose both of them, but I quite like the idea of that. I'm surprised it hasn't been brought up before. Oh, thanks very so, much. So, Albert, I'm, I'm assuming you're about to tell me who got stabbed. Do you want some, do you want some Ronnie Woolwork? Yeah, go on, and what happened? Trivia. He was named Baggies Player of the Year in 2004-05. When the club narrowly beat relegation on the last day of the season, less said about that the better, but that was to be a high point in a career which was further interrupted in 2006 when he was stabbed by the ex-partner of his girlfriend seven times. Wow. Good memory, <laughs> in, though. In, in, in one of in one attack, not like <laughs> seven, seven. Okay. How's your luck? Every day of the week. <laughs> 
I haven't stabbed you on a Friday yet. Come <laughs> here. <laughs> um, uh, I assume he survived. Yeah, he survived. He's, yeah, but now he's um, now he's a villain, according to the BBC. <laughs> it's very interesting. He's been done. What, as in like an Aston Villa player, or no, no, just no. genuinely a villain? Crim, proper crim, allegedly. Wow. And he's got a he's got a Premier League winners medal. He, oh, played, he, he played enough appearances at Man United in 2000, 2001 to get a Premier League winners medal. Uh, J- Jamie Carragher was um, slagging off those sort of players and he's arguing with Danny Simpson on Twitter this week <laughs> saying, oh, were you one of those players who picked up one at United for playing, making five sub appearances? Um, anyway, we digress. Uh, so Daz 10 men. Kevin Campbell heads a really good chance over um, in the first half. But we managed to get through to the break at 0-0. And then two minutes into the second half, seemingly harmless punt downfield from Gabor Karaya clears everyone. Looks like Darren Purse has the simple task of just nodding it. And you in, you enjoyed this one, Albert, didn't you? Just ducking under the ball. It's it's bizarre. It's I've never seen anything like it at any level of football. Just I don't know what he's doing because he doesn't doesn't appear to give a shout to the to Russell Hall. Um, and when you've got what at the time was probably one of the, if not the fastest, strikers in the Premier League bearing yeah. down on you, you just just get rid, surely. Especially when you're Darren Purse and you're not like you know it's not like he's not the most graceful technical of players. You just expect mm. him to lump that out. So um, a real gift. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when your bread and butter is being a non-league centre-back who somehow made it up to the Premier League, you'd think you'd be heading that clear. Um, that was uh, Andy Johnson obviously scored, looped the header over the goalkeeper. And that season, he'd score 20 goals in total and nine of them came against teams from the Midlands. He obviously uh, had a bit of a love for scoring against them. So that was Villa, Birmingham, West Brom that season. He scored nine of his goals against them. So cashing against West Brom there after having already scored twice against them at Sellers earlier in the season. Um, obviously, West Brom then threw everything at us, uh, including the kitchen sink. Kevin Campbell hit the post. Um, when uh, Sawando had gone off injured, Darren Powell, who um, famously scored the goal up at Sunderland the season before, had come on uh, in place of Friedman to get another centre-back on the pitch. But he'd um, picked up a bit of a knock and was soldiering on through. But slices with eight minutes left on the clock, slices across back towards his own goal. And Gabble cried does brilliantly, to be fair, to get a hand on it and stop it from going in but he can only direct it into the path of Kevin Campbell he taps it in at the back post to make it 1-1 and then um, you know ner- ner- nervous times of the Palace fans and it looks like we're going to hold on until the 89th minute and uh, Campbell slots Robert Earnshaw through and he beats the offside trap and the commentators it's great from the commentator onside Robert Earnshaw and he's won the game as he just lifts the ball past um, Gabor Karai and um you know the way the way the table was formulated at this point. You know that would have put West Brom onto 19 points, which is only two points behind us. Um, drags us into the relegation mix. And um, but deep into injury time, Gary Boradal of all people lumps the ball into a penalty area that consists of Wayne Andrews, who's now been bought on, and Aki Rialati, who replaced Darren Powell. Also one of those rare scenarios where a sub replaces a sub. Scrambles around, uh, commentator again as a bit of a mare, says Fitzall was equalised for Palace, but it was indeed Aki Rialati who kicked it over the goal line. And um, some some special celebrations at the end there, would you say, Nick? 
pandemonium looking at looking it back on it today. I mean, a, a special ne- note needs to go out there because that was don't forget we had uh, Gabriel Carai in goal, and he's only just finished playing. Was it last season? Yeah. Back, back in the last season. Uh, he just hung, was at the Euros, wasn't it? The he Euro, was. European Championship. He yeah. hung up his uh, tracksuit bottoms for the very last time, bless his heart. Uh, and obviously, uh, a special place in my heart goes to Aki Riolati, not just for that goal, but because he was a great, another great server for the club. Um, it, I, should think, I should imagine the scenes there will be a bit like they are when, on Saturday when I go to the Hawthorns for the very first time and we get another win. Yeah, well, as it uh, transpired, it, was, it wasn't it was enough for Palace. It was the Gonzalo Sarondo sending off as probably one of the nails in our coffin, although we didn't realise it at the time because a lot of people said that season we should have played two up front and um, we showed too many teams too much respect and it was one of the few times that we did actually start with two up top but obviously the early red card saw us have to switch to just one up top again and you know if if Sarando stays on maybe we win that game and then we're six points clear of the relegation zone and we probably survive and who knows Simon Jordan would still own us now but um <laughs> there you go so that was uh West Brom from 2005 uh I'll take a point, so hopefully we can emulate that this weekend. Homestyle Radio Preview Podcast, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Right, that's it. We are at the end. So, um, firstly, I'd like to thank Laurie Whitwell again, Whitwell again from the Daily Mail for joining us, and of course to the wonderful Billiam in the background for producing the show and making us sound wonderful. Uh, we've got the West Brom review show will be live on Sunday night as usual from 8pm uh, head to wholeradio.net or facebook.com forward slash wholeradio to listen live if you can't listen live the podcast version will be out from about 10pm any ideas who's on the show this week guys no not been announced yet some people oh actually not yes, it has, yes, it, yes it actually has a, you can see how old I am yeah because I'm on it <laughs> <laughs> I don't really have. If you make it. If, if you make it. Oh. <laughs> well, he said something nice about you on a plane. So Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. all right. Yeah, but um, so I'm assuming Hambo's hosting with you, Nick, and two others, we should yeah. just say at this well, point. Two others, yeah. I was asked. Yeah. Turned it down. Turned it down. You know, what, what are you doing now? Star Wars, is it? Yeah. Is he still on Star Wars? Is that? It's enough one. <laughs> Another. it's another another star wars how many can there be oh mate i don't know but this is the third they'll just keep cranking it out mate printing money people keep paying printing money it is indeed printing money right um as for this preview podcast uh we get another we get another week off guys another oh. week off with a tottenham game being postponed um I was actually going to do it from the States as well, but I don't need that now, so I can just continue my holiday as usual. Uh, To all the New York Eagles, I look forward to seeing you in the Football Factory on Saturday for the West Brom game. Treat me kindly, please. Um, I like chicken wings and beer, so um, send them in. (laughs) Uh, Thanks to Nick and Albert for this week. Thanks, guys. My pleasure, mate, and have a great holiday, yeah? Thank you very much. And um, until the next time, up the palace. Eagles. Homestyle Radio Freeview Podcast Sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk The next generation of fantasy football It's the 90th minute All your mates around You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go 
Your mate's already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.